And I was thinking about as I was preparing for this week, I was thinking about a time in my life, this was a number of years ago, it's when Terry and I were in St. Cloud, and, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and, and again, this is part of a story of my story, of Terry's story that we've shared bits and pieces about um, over, over the years that I've been here. And uh, are you going to make it just fine, Chris? Hey, let's give him a hand. He's still in the drum cage, and he's, he's got crutches. you gotta, got to love it. <laughs> um, but I remember, it like yesterday, we were in St. Cloud. Um, I was in my jammies, laying on the couch. I, I know you guys are getting to... <laughs> But there I was, and I had nothing in me to get up that day. Nothing. I, I felt like I was a failure in my marriage, and I was. I felt like I was failing in my finances, and I was. I felt like I was failing in my role as a pastor, and I was. And I laid on this couch and I had nothing left to give. Now some of you probably have similar stories. where you were at the end. You had nothing left to give. Nothing to get you going. I feel like as I look at these two plants that I have here, that I was trying to present as this plant here, vibrant and healthy and strong, and this is all I was, droopy leaves. Oh no, yeah, both of these are in my office. I purposely haven't watered this in a couple of weeks because I wanted to use this as an illustration. Sorry. <laughs> I did put a little water in there this morning because I was starting to feel a little bad. But. Uh, and the reason why I share that and the reason why I use these as illustrations is because the Bible is full of stories about seeds and plants and bearing fruit. And sometimes we need to have something visual to show us. And, and I, I love fall from the standpoint of in the fall, it's harvest time. And there's nothing like fresh vegetables and fresh fruit, right? I mean, when the fresh produce rolls around... Uh, Terry, I don't know, somehow landed some fresh tomatoes, and so we're having BLTs later. Because there's nothing like a BLT with a fresh tomato that is homegrown. The store-bought ones, you know, they just lack. But it's crazy when you think about plants. Because we don't do anything to make them grow. They do it all on their own. Right? It's all built into them. It's in them to grow. I mean, sure, there's some stuff that we can do to help them grow. Or there's, there's ways that, you know, 
Um, you know, we, we can cause them to have a problem. But if you think about out there, there's plants all over and trees bearing fruit and other vegetable that, that are it's happening all on their own. The key to a healthy plant is you got to have sun, right? Water, some good soil with good nutrients. Got to make sure you got some oxygen. And if you lack in any of those areas, well, then it's going to affect the growth of the plant. But if all those pieces are built into it, well, yeah, you're going to have a good, healthy, vibrant plant. We've been talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and there's this phrase that we're tapping into these weeks in this Being Rooted series, and it's one that we've had around here for a while, and it's this one, be with Jesus, be like Jesus, do what He does. That's what a disciple does, and last week our focus was on being with Jesus, and we talked more about why we need to be with Jesus, not how, because if, if you don't have the why, you're not going to do the how in reality. You've got to have the why, the reason why you want to be with Jesus, and we talked about that. Um, but what we're going to take today is take some time to look at what it means to be like Jesus. And like a plant, you can tell whether a person has been with Jesus because of whether they're living their life like Jesus or not. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to the church in Galatia, and he says this in chapter 3, verse 1. I love that, how Paul just says things sometimes. You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? I think we need to have people in the church today say that kind of stuff to the church more often. Right? You foolish Christians here in America, who has bewitched you? Yeah, be careful though before you say amen. Because, you know, Paul was addressing an issue that was... uh, prevalent for the church in Galatia. And that is, there are some people who are saying, hey, there's some rules that you need to follow, like you need to be circumcised, you need to follow these festival days, and you need to all this do this. If you're going to be a real Christian, and Paul says, wait, 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 wait. That's not what I taught you. In fact, he says in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And so for the church in Galatia, the yoke of slavery was circumcision and all kinds of rituals and rules and all kinds of stuff to follow. So my question for us today is, what would the yoke of slavery, or what is the yoke of slavery that maybe people are trying to put on your life or my life and saying, hey, this is what you need to be to be a follower of Jesus. Here's some things that come to my mind. Fundamentalism. What is fundamentalism? 
Fundamentalism is basically, here's the right way to interpret Scripture, and if you don't interpret Scripture my way, then you're a heretic, and you're going to hell. Oh. Who's bewitched you? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Oh, here's another one. Conservatism. Ooh, now maybe I'm touching a hot button. You got to vote this way if you're a Christian. Uh oh. Who's bewitched you? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So let's be fair progressivism. That's the new one today, right? Got to be tolerant of everybody and everything. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Who's bewitched you? We can go on to a lot of isms. And then Paul says in verse 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but... Do not let use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And see, that's, that's the, the parameters here. Okay, you, Freedom is here, but don't, don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. We talked a couple of weeks ago as we began this series about the rich young ruler, and Zacchaeus, both of them had acquired much. And both of them had acquired much based on their flesh desire. For the rich young ruler, on the surface, he did everything right, but material, money, and possessions was his idol. For Zacchaeus, he had acquired much also, and he was a, a, he's a Jew, but he took advantage of the Jew and did deceptive things to acquire his wealth. Interesting thing, both met Jesus. One said, no, I can't give it all. And the other one said, here, I'm giving, I'm giving half and I'm reimbursing everybody I took advantage of. Then Paul says in verse 16, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Hang on to that piece right there. Get that. Notice the contracts. Walk by the Spirit. When when I walk by the Spirit, I'm not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. That's where the freedom comes. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. In other words, if you're going to be with Jesus and be like Jesus, you can't walk according to the flesh. You need to walk according to the Spirit. Otherwise, you will have this conflict. So how do we know if we're walking by the Spirit or by the flesh? Well, glad you asked. Because Paul tells us, he says this in verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, Debauchery, 
Um, that's pretty simple to point out, right? We, we get that. Sexual immorality, yeah, I get that that's the flesh. And impurity, yep. And debauchery, you know, just that um, hedonistic lifestyle. Absolutely, I get that. Idolatry and witchcraft, yeah, get that too. Hatred? Uh-oh. Discord? Jealousy? Fits of rage? Selfish ambition? Dissensions? Factions? Ah, that might be hitting a little closer to home. I mean, think about this. Have you ever hated anyone? I hear hatred all the time by people who call themselves followers of Jesus on social media. All the time. That's not being like Jesus. What about discord? That's quarreling and disputes. Have you ever had a dispute with somebody? I have. Every time I've had a dispute, it's usually centered on my flesh. Selfish ambition. How about factions? Factions. A faction is when a circle of people with common purpose unite together to dissent from another group. Ooh, we might have seen that a few times, right? We see it in the church all the time. A group of people don't like what's going on in the church, so they create a faction, and then they create dissension. Paul says that's of the flesh. Doesn't matter... What your motive is, that's of the flesh. Uh Uh-oh. He has more. Envy. Hmm, I think envy might be an issue. Drunkenness. Okay, we can probably get by with that. Orgies. Orgies in the first century culture. That has more to to do with gluttonous parties. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa. That's pretty strong language. Living by the flesh means I will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, will not inherit is a verb that comes in the uh, future active indicative verb, and I'll explain what that means a little bit more, just to, so you get that there's a, there's a broader picture here. Future, is, it is talking about portraying something that will happen, and so you will not inherit. So we get that, the, you will not inherit the kingdom of God in, in the future, whatever the future may look like. The active has more to do with the now. It it is what is going on right now. So this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, is a now and a future thing. So you, you live by the flesh. Your life right now will not be a part of what is God wants to bring as far as his kingdom is concerned. 
all the fruit and the benefits of the kingdom of God that we can experience today, if I'm living by the flesh, I will not experience them today. And I will not experience them in the future. You see, the kingdom of God is here now. And it's a not yet. There's more to come. But sometimes we read something like this as you will not inherit the kingdom of God. We think, oh, they're going to go to hell. No, no, it's so much more than that person's going to hell. It's, it's your life that you're going to experience here is going to be a mess. So, Paul goes on to say, here's what life looks like when you are living by the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you see the contrast? Do you see the difference? Factions, dissension, hatred, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. Do you see the contrast? And forbearance here, which in some translations comes across as patience, is more than just me, Terry, needing to be patient with me because I didn't throw my dirty clothes in the laundry. It is a patience of forbearance of if you are, it's someone who is experiencing a life, a a long journey of pain. They say stay true to God and faithful to God in the midst of this long journey of pain. So, for example, maybe you've had a child that has walked away from the Lord and you've been praying for 18, 20, 25 years for that child to come back to the Lord and you are doing that faithfully, and yet you faithfully trust the Lord, that's forbearance. And I've heard some of your stories, and some of you model forbearance like crazy. I've, I, yeah, I've heard some of the stuff that some of you have gone through. That, that's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, in the midst of this pain, I'm not going to walk away from God. I'm not going to go on a rage about something. I'm not going to hate the church because of whatever. No, it it means I'm going to stay true and faithful to God, and I'm going to pray like crazy. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And we can go into all the other ones, too, but Paul then uh, tells us in verse 24, he says, against such thing." There is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. There's the model. If you belong to Jesus Christ, then you've crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. Now, it doesn't mean some of those desires and passions aren't going to rise up because we're human, right? But we know how to crush them. We know how to put them to death. We know how to walk away from them. And 
And as we are with Jesus and we put to death the things of the flesh, then we will be more like Jesus. Now, there's one more thing I want to share with us before I wrap up my message. And that is the thing that's called the law of sowing and reaping, as long as we're talking about plants. You see, in Galatians 6, Paul continues to talk about this bearing fruit thing, and he says this, he says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, reaping and sowing, it's an agricultural terms. To sow is to plant seeds in the ground. To reap is harvest. That's what you get in the fall after you've planted the seeds and they've grown and they bear their fruit or their vegetables. That's the, the, that's the reaping aspect of, of it. So Paul is saying, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked because we think we can sow things of the flesh along with things of the Spirit and it's going to be okay. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Don't mock God. See, this has to do with allegiance, and this is the thing that the church in America has gotten wrong for a long time. You see, there is only one God, and there's only one King, there's only one Lord, and there's only one place where we place our allegiance. It's hard. But it's what we are called to do. Stop trying to plant seeds in the flesh and plant seeds in the Spirit. It doesn't work. So whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So what are you going to sow? Whatever you plan on sowing, just know that's what you're going to reap. If you're going to sow any kind of dissension, you will reap dissension. If you sow hatred, you will reap hatred. But if you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. If you sow forbearance, yeah, you will reap forbearance. You see, when I was laying on that couch all those years ago, not moving, I was at a time in my life where I was trying to sow seeds of the flesh and the Spirit at the same time. And eventually, the seeds of the flesh reaped more harvest than the seeds of the Spirit. And I was burnt out. Paul continues to say, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not 
give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So to be with Jesus is really about, as we talked about last week, it's about the spiritual practices, the spiritual disciplines. It is being, it is reading your Bible, it's praying, it's doing all those things so you develop a personal relationship with God. That's what that's all about. It's reading your Bible and listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you as you're reading the Bible. It's praying, not just making your request, but listening to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's that give and take. That's why we do the spiritual practices and disciplines. That's why we talk about how important they are. Is so that we are with Jesus. And as we are with Jesus, the more we are with Jesus, the more we will become like Jesus and the more freedom we will experience to sow seeds of the Spirit because we'll be walking by the Spirit. And as we walk by the Spirit, we will produce a harvest in the kingdom of God that makes us look like we are followers of Jesus. So then, it's just natural. It comes out. Just like this plant has been watered. It's got water, good soil. It's had sun. It's healthy. This one, no water. I could prop this up, but still it would look ugly. And it's all my effort to prop it up. Now, if I, when I start watering this, because honey, I will water it. When I start watering this thing again, it will come back to life and it, I don't do a thing. And it's the same with our relationship with God. The DNA in you, the DNA in you is to produce a harvest, harvest of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentle self-control. It's in you. You need to put yourself in an environment where that just comes out naturally. And that comes by being with Jesus. Let's pray. Mm, Father, we um, thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you uh, for giving us the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit resides in us and that uh, we're image bearers, so the DNA is already in there to live a life that brings glory and honor to your name. And so I pray that we would become a church that is with you, that is intentionally doing all we can to be in your presence. And I pray that we would be a church that would produce, that, that we would plant seeds of the, of the Spirit and we would produce a harvest of the Spirit so that your name is glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.